Welcome to the Border Collie Gig Podcast. I'm your host, Martina, obsessed like you about Border Collies and dog training. Follow me to know more about this amazing breed and to learn from many inspiring dog professionals on how to make your training journey a success. Hello, Border Collie Geeks, and welcome back to a new season. I didn't think I would do seasons, but yes, a new season of um, the Border Collie Geek podcast. Um, Happy New Year to all of you. Um, This is going to be the first podcast of the year, and I actually didn't plan in advance, but today I had a one-to-one with one of my online academy students, and I decided... Um, I was going to do an episode on it because I think we discussed things that I would like you to hear about um, because they're important and they help us understanding our dogs um, and their relationships better. Um, As always, I really invite you to join me on my um, Facebook group. So I decided not to have a Facebook page anymore. So I have a Facebook group, which is my free group. Anyone can join. Not all of the members there are podcast listeners, but you podcast listeners are welcome to come and join. And once a month, I have a post that comes out and asks you if you have any question or if you have anything you would like me to talk about on the podcast so you can reach out and um, ask me for episodes. Um, that helps me delivering to you, but it also, um, you know, gives me um, ideas. Not that I run out of ideas. There's always something to talk about. But then if you ask me a specific question, I can go a bit more deep into one specific topic instead of just um, chatting about things. Um, There are many, many guests, um, many interesting guests coming. I have um, a lot of recordings already. I have, I think, recordings ready up to March. Uh, I just need to edit them and um, put them into um, into the the app that I use. And so a lot of the podcasts you're going to be listening in the next few months with guests have been recorded last year. Um, I can't wait for you to hear all of them. And there are new guests booked on um, for, you know, for, for the other part of the year. Um, but again, if you have a guest you would really like me to interview, you can um, join me on the group and, you know, you can add that to the monthly post. You can say to me, I would really like you to interview this person. And then, of course, I'll do my research and I'll see if it fits the um, type of guests I want on my podcast. Um, so today I would like to um, chat about relationship dog's relationship between each other in the same household. Um, I know that in some of the episodes that are going to come out, I say, oh, we should record together a multi-dog household episode with some of the guests, and I will do it. But today, I think the uh, one-to-one I had, the one-to-one I had is with one of my um, online students. They they are um, in my academy, um, and they've been in my academy for quite a long time. And they reached out to me asking for an additional one-to-one, um, which is something that as members, a member of my academy, um, they have with a discounted rate. So whenever they want, they can have a one-to-one with me, um, that being online or face-to-face, um, because <coughs> they were having troubles with um, 
two dogs, the, the relationship between two dogs. Um, after having the first dog for nearly two years, they decided to add a second dog to the household and they went for a full, um, not for a half sibling, same mom, different dad, or same dad, different mom, I can't remember, but half sibling. Um, and um, so very, very similar type of lines. And of course, you know, they knew that this time they would do things right because they had me to back them up. Um, because of course, by being a member of the academy, I help with both dogs. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, they felt confident that that the second dog will need a bit less training because the first dog was their learning curve and that the first dog will teach the second dog, which is not really how it works. Um, and sometimes we go for same lines thinking, you know, I've had already one and I like it and I know how it works. So I'll go for the same lines so that I can get the similar type of dog and I don't have to learn twice. And again, that's another big, you know, myth. Um, even in the same litter, you will have different dogs. And even if you go for the same lines, um, you know, you will, you know, you will, you will have different type of dogs. You know, it, the goal of a, of, of, a, of a breeder is to make a litter as, um, you know, as similar as possible so that the litter doesn't have extremes. Um, and that's a goal, but it's not always possible because genetic doesn't work like this genetic doesn't listen to you genetics just randomly put genes inside a dog and even after the dog is born they still have different experiences in those two months they stay with their mum, and that will form their temperament so they will come out very different um even if you try to pick the one that looks more similar to your other dog or um, you know, or behaves as you remember your puppy behaved initially. So, yeah, it doesn't happen. You know, I I have two dogs which are Mosses, Jocks, um, half uncle. Um, Jocks' mum is Mosses' half sister. Same dad as Moss, um, which has a lot of influences in Moss' behavior. But Moss's mum, I think Moss looks more and and behaves more like like his mum so what I got from Jock I got a lot of things that reminds me of the characteristic that Moss has but I have two very different dogs although their lines is very similar um a, 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 third, a fourth of Jock's line is very similar so yeah it's I like to go back to lines I know but I don't always expect to be the same and sometimes actually scary for me to go back to the same lines because I have expectations. Um, so I would like to get another puppy from Tay's breeder. Um, but if she picks a different male, I might not get what I like in Tay. I might actually get other things that are maybe even better than what Tay has. But a lot of things might be more difficult than what Tay is, which, as you probably know already by now, it's a very easy dog to live with. And, um, yeah, very... Um, very easy to train in a way that he wants to please you um, and he doesn't have any big issues temperament-wise or behavioral-wise. Um, so starting from that, of course, you know, even if you get same litter mates or same lines, your dogs will be different. And a lot of the time um, people ask, should I get another male? Should I get another female? Should I get similar same sex? Should I get different sex? There's not really an answer to that. As a general rule, two males or two females or two males could be a bit more challenging because they're having the same hormones. 
they might have issues with each other. And it's less likely than one male and one female will have issue with each other. Although I've seen it, I've seen male and female having issues with each other. Um, and because of the temperament of one of the two being very bad. Um, so you need to be very unlucky for that to happen, but it can still happen. Why? Because dogs have personalities and we'll talk about personalities today. They have personalities, they have, and, and, and you know, even if it's a female that shouldn't be fighting against the male, if that female has resource guarding issues, for example, she will guard the resources. It doesn't matter if the other male, in the, if the other dog in the household is a male. So, for example, in our house, household, we have a female that doesn't get along with the other two females. And as a general rule, she prefers males to females. So she can stay with my other dogs. She can be share space with my other dogs, with the male dogs. She can't share space in the house with the females because she will, she won't like it and she would try to, um, to go for them. But because she's a resource garden, that means that she values resources that for her are important as you know she values them a lot like toys shoes food even water if she's drinking from a bowl and one of the other approaches she will show the whole behavior that tells the other dog don't come closer because this is my water and i'll have a go at you so and that happens if she's on the bed that happens if she's on the sofa she will eventually decide that that sofa or that bed it's hers and she will show the whole behavior, tension in the body, her eyes will change, everything changes in her body. And if you listen very carefully, you'll hear a very low grumble. Now, other dogs know her, my boys know her, so they will try to be as careful as possible. But then we have a problem. We have a dog that is losing hearing and is losing, I think, a bit of um social awareness so that's moss which is 12 and i really think that you know i need to be careful because he won't hear that growl and he might not even be aware of her body language because he doesn't think about it anymore as much as he used to in the past so if he doesn't read that body language and doesn't hear that growl then he will carry on his behaviors towards her and that might inescate a a, a reaction from her so there's a lot of factors to take into consideration when you're living in a multi-dog household. Um, the other five dogs are not resource guarders. They can share toys and food and they will chew next to each other. They will steal each other things away and there's no fights happening. They can even, some of them, eat from the same bowl and apart from a bit of a growl, nothing escalates and happens. But before we trust that, although we don't let it happen, but before we know we can trust that, we need to know the dogs. I will never know every time I take a dog in if that dog is going to be a resource gardener. You will enjoy having other dogs next to them when they're chewing or eating. I don't know until I know the dog. So it takes me sometimes to actually trust my dogs. And I can go out of the kitchen while my three males are eating in the kitchen, each in their bowl in different parts of the kitchen. We have a long kitchen. So one is eating on one extreme, one is eating on the other extreme, and one is eating in the middle. I can go out of the kitchen and leaving them to eat, knowing that even if they go to each other, they will not start fighting. But I know I can trust my dogs on that. I know they're not the resource guard, they're not resource guarders. They are not going to kill each other over food. Um, but it's not always the case. You know, I've been lucky up to now that I've got that, and I've been lucky and I've researched my dogs and my 
puppies and my breeders, knowing that there wasn't resource guarding in the line. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, it, it's it's about knowing that your dogs will cope with that. The same thing, the two girls eat together in the living room. The only reason the two girls eat together in the living room is one of them is very fast. She just, you know, eats very fast and and then she will go and bother the two males that takes a bit longer to eat. So they eat in the living room and there's a baby gate in the living room. So once they finish eating, they wait for the boys to finish eating. And then the door opens, the ball are still on the floor and they can happily, you know, lick each other balls. They go and they, they do the rounds and they go around and each, lick each other balls, making sure there's nothing left over and tasting a bit of each other food. Um, just not taste, not eating it, but they lick the balls um, because they have different food. So this is all, you know, all fine. So food in our house is not a big deal. The dogs are all around the, the table when we eat and there's no fights because of it. Um, there are situations though. Um, so the one-to-one, the -one, going back to my one-to-one, -one, I'm not going to talk explicitly about the one-to-one, -one, but that has just, you know, inspired this podcast episode. Um, the issues between the two dogs started around food, starting on a specific time of the day where there is a routine that involves a chew, a treat that the dogs can chew. And one of the two started having, um, you know, episodes where he would go for the other dog when there is food around. And um, so one can be, you know, food can be one of the big triggers of fight between dogs in household if one of the two have what we call resource guarding. So they value their resource so much, but at the same time, they are afraid to lose it. So my dogs value their food so much, but they don't they don't have fear of losing it to the point that they will go and attack another dog to keep that resource. And that sometimes is experience in life. If they've been raised that they had to fight over food in order to eat because the food was put down and is just enough for the puppies in the litter, puppies will learn to fight each other over food. Maybe the mum herself is a food guarder. So she will guard her own food from the puppies because they eat in the same place, being in the same place. So puppies learn from each other and from mum to actually, you know, defend their food resources. So um, it could be that you take home a puppy and you don't know, but food guarding, you know, could be a problem. So <clears throat> even eating while your dogs are around can escalate into a fight because they think that the food that is on the table is actually their resource to guard and the other dog is not allowed close. And this is what our dog Tanith would do. She would be around the table when we're eating and when she decides that she wants the food and the other dog is too close to her, she will have a go at that dog. Now, how do we manage, for example, that situation? We don't create situations where Tanith finds herself having to guard anything. And if she, and if you want to relax and allow her a bit of freedom, she's got a muzzle on. With a muzzle on that she can cope, she, she will sleep with a muzzle on. She, she's quite comfortable with it. So if, if we want to relax in the living room and she's together with my boys, for example, and we're just lying down on the sofa, watching TV, want to relax, she has a muzzle on. And you know what? She will eventually go and lie down on the bed or sometimes even on the sofa with us. And she's quite comfortable. But you know that if we lose track of the situation, <clears throat> and one of the dogs goes too close to her and she decides that she doesn't want them so close and she has a go at them, she can't do any injuries. Now, I know that my others will never answer back. They will take the beating. That doesn't really hurt them because there's a muzzle on. 
and just wait for her to finish. And when she finishes, then, you know, they will just keep their distance and nothing will happen. But of course, not every dog has this type of temperament. So you might have, it might happen that the other dog will answer back, you know, in your situation. So until you can trust your dog 100%, you know, or if you're not sure that what's going on is real resource guarding, I would really suggest to, you know, maintain the space when you're feeding dogs, when you're when you're handling food and things. If your dog has even a slight behavior that might escalate into a fight, I would really be careful and manage the situation straight away. So, um, of course, my student now is going to manage every food situation to avoid that to transfer to other situations. So the problem with the guarding between the two dogs and the fighting between the two dogs starts in a specific situation with a specific routine but that could escalate so she has to be very careful around food in other situation to avoid that to transfer to other situations that are at the moment okay um so it's very important that when you notice a problem between the two dogs and that problem has a specific trigger you also think where else in life this trigger can transfer to and take your precautions and you know handle it um, of course, the same goes with toys or chews that are left around the house. You know, some dogs get to the point that they want that toy or that chew so much and they will guard it with their life. My dogs guard food from each other. They, sorry, they don't, don't, don't guard, they guard toys and chews from each other in a way that they will hold them between their legs and they will look at the other, a bit of a hard stare. Sometimes there could be a little grumble and the other dogs are, has learned to you know, give up and go and find another one. So we have five dogs that share the same space. We have probably 10 shoes and five toys. So they have quite, they have to, they have, they don't have one each. But they have a lot. So there's always things around for them to go and grab instead. Um, and I try as much as possible to avoid dogs stealing each other things. Jock is probably the worst at that. He will steal toys and chews from the other dog's mouth and I try my best to not allow this um although I know that it won't escalate because of the temperament of my other dogs he has created tension between Moss and Jock because if Moss has a toy and Jock stares at him wanting to steal it Moss sometimes if he's in the mood will growl back and if Moss growls back at Jock Jock takes it very personally what does it mean? It means that Jock becomes very suspicious of Moss and he will spend maybe the next 12 hours looking at Moss like he's going to pop in a second and kill him. Although it's never happened, but Jock takes it very seriously with Moss. So we'd had problems in the past between Moss and Jock where they, you know, Moss had something. He would growl at Jock and when Moss growls, Jock is scared, although they never had a fight ever. But yeah. Moss, is, Moss scares everyone. When Moss growls, everyone stops. Everyone moves away. Everyone comes and asks for help. If Moss growls, Jocte runs to me and hides. Um, and Moss has never had to do anything, but they trust him. And I trust Moss to use his mouth if he needs to. So I always, again, try to avoid it because I know that Moss has no nip inhibition. If he wants to nip for a reason, he will nip other dogs. Um, is done in the past without creating problems. But Moss wants to control Jock when Jock runs. And if he can't stop him with his speed, he will stop him with a nip. And 
Of course, I don't allow it because I know that the relationship will take a hit because of that. So I, I manage it. I have to manage it. And if I go away, my, and we had a couple of times someone staying with the dogs when we go away and we'll have probably to do it in the future again. I make sure the Moss and Jock are not together. So we split the, the household in two groups. And because Jock and when I've gone, every time I've gone away, Moss and Jock had issues with each other. Um, I think Jock gets um, a bit anxious because I'm not there. So he gets very attached to the person that is taking care of them. And if Moss tries to interact, he will growl at Moss with the consequence that Moss will growl back and they had issues where they had to be kept separated until I came back because, of course, the the, care, the person that was taking care of them didn't trust them together because she didn't know them. So I am very careful with Moss and Jock interaction. Moss is 12, Jock is 6. They never had a fight. They've lived together for six years, but I'm still careful. I still don't trust. I still don't want Jock to be nipped. I don't want Moss to escalate because Moss is is older. And I don't want, I want him to have an easy life. So although I trust them, they sleep together. I leave them in the same room when I go away. I still control a lot of their interaction. If there is a resource in between, that one of them really values. And you know what? There are days where Jock, where Moss will allow Jock to steal his toy, no problem. And wouldn't even, you know, care. But there are days where he will care. And... You know, and it only happens if we are there. If we are not there, my dogs don't play, don't chew. They are just happy to go to sleep if I'm not there. And we see that through webcams. But if we are there, their social interaction definitely changes. So I'm very careful. Um, so going back to my students, one of the other things we notice is that their, their two dogs um, could have some issues between each other when there was excitement going on. And that's colleagues for you. Collies will escalate in excitement very quickly and some of them will transform the excitement into redirecting. Um, they will redirect the excitement um, by using their mouth, nipping, or even having a proper go at another dog. That happens in a lot of situations. In You know, if um, I get a lot of dogs that redirect on the owners, I get dogs that redirect on the dog that is walking with them if they have a reaction towards an external dog. But that happens also in the household. So um, I know for sure that if Moss gets too excited or frustrated about something, it might escalate into nipping. Normally, Jock, it's his target. Moss, his work, Moss brains work like this. He has his targets. So between the two cats, only one is his herding cat. The other one doesn't even exist. And when there is excitement going on, and excitement can be me starting singing or, or dancing. I can't sing or dance in the house because they will go crazy. Jock will start going crazy by barking and jumping and wanting to join me, but that will trigger most excitement and frustration. Tay will start barking, and all that creates such a excitement that, with collies especially, can transform into, oh, I'll nip you in excitement. And that one Moss would do. Um, so then we could have, you know, in a small environment like a kitchen, then we could have Moss getting excited, having a nip at Jock out of excitement because Jock is moving around very fast. And then Jock takes it very personally, understandably, um, and has a, a growl at a Moss. And then we might get, you know, the next 12, 
hours or 24 where we have to keep them a bit separate and be careful because they will be uncomfortable in each other's presence. So our big rule in the household is to try and avoid excitement, especially if I'm involved. Um, that is transferred to my partner as well. She can't do much excitement anymore because they will get excited at her as well. So that's another thing I, I've told my um, my students. Don't you know, avoid excitement. And even if it, this is having them both at the door when you let them out, if that creates excitement and a risk of redirection, then they go out one at a time. Um, that can be, you know, coming back in from the garden and going to their crates. They started having issues when sent to their crates for the night because they will grow each other from the crates. So now they're going in one at a time. The first one settles and then the second one comes in. Anything that creates excitement could also transform into a tension or, you know, a, a, a reactivity situation with dogs that have tendency to get excited very, very quickly. Um, one thing that I also, in this situation, is to take into account is the age of the dogs two years old and seven months old, or seven or nine, I can't remember. But in that age where dogs start becoming adults, uh, hormones kick in, so there is more behavioral things going on. The dogs change their behavior, they change their social status, they change their interaction with the world because their hormones tell them to do that. So we need to be very careful that that is managed very well, um, adolescent and it's between and, and the relationship between dogs has to be managed to make sure that they go past the adolescent time without disliking the other dogs in the household for you know for all the reasons we already discussed. And um also one thing that I've noticed, and that's something, you know, um, so I'll just explain a tiny bit the relationship between Jock and Tay. Um Tay is, again, the sweetest dog in the world, and Jock doesn't like him for that. He thinks he's too sweet and want too much attention. So um, Tay will go to Jock and try to appease him by licking his lips or being a bit silly with him, being a little bit puppy, goes under him and everything, and Jock hates it. So Jock starts growling at him. And this can happen even when we are not there. So they used to sleep together in the office where I am now and we would see in the morning with the webcam that Jock would be at the gate waiting for me to get up, Tay would come at the gate, say hi to Jock and Jock would growl at him for, I don't know 10-20 seconds, at that point Tay would move away, go back to the bed to the sofa and wait for me to open the gate so when I come and open the gate actually there's only Jock at the gate and Tay's on the sofa so Tay can stay at the gate with Jock waiting for me it's a controlling thing yeah, Jock wants to be at the gate on his own until I appear. And it wasn't fair on Jock and it wasn't fair on Tay. It wasn't fair on either of them. It's something I can't control because I'm not there. So I control it by putting Jock downstairs with the girls. And Tay sleeps on his own here in the office. And that has made the relationship so much better in the morning because they, you know, they see each other. I said I, I let Tay and Moss out first and then Jock comes out with the girls and goes out after. So there's no growling to start with. There's no growling at the door while they're waiting to go out. And um, by the time they come in, they have their breakfast. So their bellies are full and then there's no growling going on. And the growling is simply Tay going to Jock and, and wanting Jock attention and Jock doesn't need, doesn't want attention and tells him off. So it's not a fight growling or anything. It's, 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 
it's simply the way they do interact. And of course, Tay doesn't respect the fact that Jock doesn't like it, so doesn't stop doing it. So I have to interrupt them. I tell them to stop, ask one to go and lie down, ask Tay normally to go and lie down, so Jock can be left alone. But that has gone better since we stopped having them together in the same room at night. And one other thing that I really want you to know um, is that before Christmas, I took them both herding um, to our trainers and I'm, I'm going back. So I might be telling you more about this in my few ep next episode. I'm going back to train both of them, but mainly Tay on sheep because he was very nice when I took him back. It was working very nicely. So I thought, why not? And um, let's go back and do it. Um, even if it's not as often as I would like, we'll take what we can uh, have. And um, and Tay did probably, you know, with break or two, half an hour. And Jock did probably 10 minutes um, with breaks. You know, it's it's an hour in total, but I worked both dogs. And Tay worked three times and Jock had one go with me only at the end. Tay worked twice with James, I was instructed that you'll hear an interview with um, soon um, this year and where I say in that interview probably that I decided not to go back to train them but I did because I can't stay away I just love my dogs working with sheep and um, after that training day there was no growling for two days like their relationship was such a nice one for two days. Tay wasn't bothering Jock. Jock was in an ecstatic state. For two days, their relationship was the best it's been. And why? Because they've used the brain to do what they're bred to do. They were stimulated both mentally and physically. And they lived with that for two days. And then after two days, things got back to the same which is not bad. I don't want to sound it like it's bad, but they have this kind of strange relationship with. Like now that Jock is sleeping behind me, Tay would jump if there was space. There's not because there's moss, but if there was space, Tay would jump on the sofa, go and say hi to Jock, licks his face, and Jock will growl at him, and then they will settle and sleep together. Um, so it's not bad, but it's that kind of... And if I'm lying down on the bed, and Jock jumps on the bed and lies down next to me, and then Tay jumps on the bed, Jocks will growl at Tay, which I don't allow it. So I always ask the Tay to lie down and Jock to stop, or I ask Jock to go off if he doesn't stop. So I do manage it, but still. Um, so yeah, it's it's you know, we, when they did their job and they 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 really use their brain and their body for what they're bred to do, their behavior at home has took a great turn which makes me think that maybe they should be working more. Yes, not just probably herding, but other things. I do train my dogs. I probably don't train them as much as I used to because I'm home all day, working from home a lot. And I usually I used to take the dogs with me all the time to training fields, which now I work a lot from home. So they're not out and about with me as much as they used to before. Um, so they probably need to work more. Not just walk, going out for walks, I mean proper training um, more. Um, so that's my resolution for this year is to do more quickly, more, not quickly, more short, but more training sessions during the day with all of them. Well, all of them, at least Tay and Jock. Um, Moss needs it, but maybe less than them. Um, so I will make sure that I organize my time 
during the day where I can give them all at least two, if not three, trading sessions per day, that being a trick, that being a obedience, that can be scent work, that can be anything, but, you know, get them to use their brain more in an intense way, even if for short periods of time, instead of doing one session a day, and that's it. Because I think that the relationship between dogs in the household is better if those dogs are worked and they come home and they have done enough to switch off, not having to use each other as a way of getting energies out, but because they're happy and satisfied. So I think that, and that's the same thing I did suggest to my students, is to maybe start taking them to -to one-to-one of hoopers or agility, um, split the one-to-one in two, and and then take your homework home, um, set up some hoopers in the garden, and, and do some training sessions to so that they, when they're home, they're in the house, they are more settled because they are more tired, but not physically. Um, my dogs, they if they go out for a long walk, they come home with similar energies. They went to the beach. Uh, we took them to the beach before Christmas or after Christmas. I can't remember after Christmas, I think. Well, the 26, I think, in the morning. And they came home. Yes, they slip it off. And then in the evening, they were ready to do something else. Because going to the beach has run, 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 run. But their brain wasn't tired. While if we do um, a training day or a training morning somewhere, then it's different. Their brain is tired. So they can settle much, much better. And I think that is so important with dogs living together is that when they're home they're settled because they've used their brain energy while working and doing something um one more thing that i wanted to add is of course my students mentioned the young one because the the older one the two is a bit softer in temperament and sensitive the young one is a bit stronger and he wanted to dominate the other one and one thing that i hopefully you understood by the whole episode is it's not about dominance here it's about personality um it's always difficult to talk about dominance apart from the fact that the dominance theory is debunked and i'm going to eventually do an episode on that think about it what do they want to dominate dominate is such an, a broad term that doesn't explain anything and actually um take away the possibility of try to understand our dogs in a more complex way. Um, Dogs have personalities exactly like us. There's the control freak one. There's the one that is more chill. There's the one that is very friendly. There's the one that likes to pick a fight. There's the one that is very possessive. There's the one that value food more than toys. And there's the one that value toys more than food. And they all have complex personalities. And... When I say that everyone respects Moss, it's not because it's dominant. Moss is the least dominant dog I know because it doesn't want to fight over anything. As I said before, there are some times where Moss will tell Jock off because he wants a toy very much. And it's one over ten times that Moss has a toy that he does that. And that's simply because that day he has energies and he wants to play with me. Because the rest of the time Moss will say, you know what, I don't want to fight, just get a toy. Saying that... Everyone respects Moss because they all know that his personality is one of I will get to the point that I'll nip you 
in order to have what I, you know, when, when I'm excited, they all know that. They know that he can lose his brain when he gets so excited. So they all careful not to get into that stage. But that's part of his personality. It's not because he's a dominant dog, because he's not. Um, it doesn't mean anything being dominant. Um, dogs live to please humans and they are social animals. They like to stay with each other, but there's nobody in the household and we have six dogs that is dominant towards another one. They all respect Hester and Tanis, the two older females, very much. The boys respect them very much. Um, if they say something, they normally stop. If they growl or they show that they don't like something, the boys will normally stop and not carry on with interaction. But is is out of respect in the, you know, in the, I think in the female more than anything else because they're females and my and they're, they're entire both the females and the males um so there is that kind of respect but saying that if Hester is sleeping you know they will sleep on top of her she's not the dominant one that sleeps on top of everyone everyone else <laughs> she's just she gets the respect of of the boys um she doesn't really have to do much you know she does she's not a assertive dog she just doesn't get to any fights, doesn't really create any tension, so nobody has to be tense with her. But it's not about dominance, it's, it's just this personality. She's like that. My female was like that. My my Abigail was like that. She never had a fight with a dog. She, one dog attacked her once, but she never had a fight back. And everyone respected her because of the calm personality she had. She Was she dominant? No, she wasn't. She would never fight for anything. She would never impose herself onto anyone she was very soft and very gentle but everyone respected her because she was very calm and gentle that nobody had to fight her so when you're looking at your dogs having issue with each other or having issue with other dogs don't ask yourself if my dog trying to be dominant ask yourself okay so what's my dog personality what is my dog trying to achieve what part of their personality is coming out what kind of things do they want to how can I help them not feeling like they have to do that and it's not about is he strong or is he not strong it's about personalities um so it would be good look at your dogs today um and and try to describe the personality write it down come on the Facebook group write it down it would be nice you know to see you actually going down a bit more into your dog personality and analyze it a bit and try maybe you'll learn something new um that you've never learned before because you've always thought, oh, that's because they're dominant or that's because they're strong than the other one. Mm. There's more to it. Yeah, they're complex animals. There's definitely more to it. Okay, so I hope you're enjoying this and um, I'm back at work. Um, so if anyone wants some help with their border collie training, um, the Academy is open with different formats from this year, so it's not online as yet when I'm re recording this. It will probably be online next week or the week after. Um, at the moment, if you would like to still join the Academy, send me an email from the website and you can join anytime you want with a new format, um, which is not a monthly payment anymore. Um, and I am always available for one-to-one -one training from everywhere. Um, I'm working with America, New Zealand, and I've finished working, but we'll work again, hopefully together with Hong Kong as well. So um, yeah, doesn't matter where you are, you can reach out and if we can make you work, I'm happy to help you uh, remotely from everywhere you are. Um, I will talk to you very soon.
Bye. Thank you for listening to the Border Collie Geek podcast. If you want to know more about my work and how I can help you with your Border Collie, visit www.dataldoacademy.com or follow me on Facebook and Instagram.